a little more enthusiasm there, Ryan. I just, you know, your introvertedness just, just. <laughs> Thank you, team. Thank you so much. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, would you open them up with me? If you do not have a Bible, please, uh, uh, Bob will bring a Bible to you, so just raise your hand. We, uh, we are a people that believe we have to have the book in front of us uh, to make sure that the pastor's on, on spot with the Word of God. Uh, we see so many people going off because they start their own opinions and their own direction, and it's wrong. So, um, so if you need a Bible, just raise your hand up, and we'll get you one. Uh, for the rest of us, if uh, you would turn with me to 2 Kings, so we're in the Old Testament, 2 Kings and the 6th chapter. So if you don't know where that is, please look in the front content, uh, table of contents, you'll find in the Old Testament, you'll see First and 2 Kings in there, it'll give you a, a page number and you can get to it, so... As we get things started, let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, uh, there are two great truths that you have um, put and placed on my heart, and that is the fact that we remain in our sin uh, because we don't really believe that in you there can be a new beginning. And, uh, and Lord, we remain in our sin because there is a pervasive thought that keeps going on in, in the physical world, and that is things have always been the same. They, they have and will never change. And in that um, mindset, uh, we become a people that, uh, that become entrapped by the things of this world, the sins of this world, and they hold us down. Uh, but Lord, I pray that from last week's message that you taught us you are a God of new beginnings, and that this week, there's a day coming. There's a day coming. Everything can change. And this is a great day, not to harden our hearts. This is the day of salvation. And may we open our hearts, each and every one of us, to you. In the name of Jesus. As I said in my prayer last week, I preached on new beginnings. Um, I cannot tell you how many conversations that I've had with people, um, not only in this past week, but over, over the years that the Lord has allowed me to love people, where they struggle uh, with this truth. And when they do not believe that there can be a new beginning in their life, that they live under the oppression of what seems like a life that's just failing, a life that's just wasted. Why am I here? Why am I even in this thing? Things are never going to change. And so, um, and so their life is just under the lie of this unbelief. So is it true? Um, is this true? Can life change? I've often, if you know me, you've heard a statement that I've said at times, the only thing that remains the same is change. Everything else changes. This is a mind blower because can God change something in a day? Can he? Then, of course, the next question that comes from an unbelieving heart is this, well, why hasn't he? Why hasn't he? Why is it that right now I am still under the same thing that I have always been under? So my title of my message is, Then One Day. Then One Day. You know, we live in a world where there has been changes. And those changes have happened in a day. And you know this. You know this. I, I just I, 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 uh, I kind of looked this up on the internet and found some things uh, from... 1923 to 1939, th there were things that changed within a day. Adolf Hitler's practice po power grab in Germany. The Wall Street, Wall Street came down in a day. From 1940 to 1959, all of a sudden Pearl Harbor. Nobody knew it. D-Day. 
Interesting that, uh, that D-Day was uh, the saving of a continent. 1960 to 1979, uh, a pill that helped to unleash the sexual revolution. If I don't get pregnant, I can have sex outside of marriage. Um, you'll know these just by, by three words. Yeah, 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 she loves me, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Beatles came to America and uh, in a day. Um, you'll know it by this statement, one giant leap for mankind. Space, yeah. And then computer on a chip changed everything. Um, 1980-2003, um, the death of a princess. You remember? 9-11 in a day. So in our world, even though we battle with the attitude of nothing's changing, it's all the same, yet we live in a time and era where things have changed. And don't you agree? They're changing faster. I mean, I had a father who delivered milk with a cart and horses. And he tells me of a story once that he accidentally turned the horse back in the direction of the barn, and the horse started running back to the barn, and all the, all the bottles fell out of the cart. And uh, he found himself on the sidewalk uh, because he, a guy knows, uh, a horse-drawing cart knows, you don't turn the horse's head back to the barn until it's time. And so uh, they would set up their routes that way, but things change. It was last Saturday morning, and uh, it was early in the morning, and Glenn Dunn and Sue Dunn were in Istanbul, Turkey, and they were about ready to board their plane um, to Tel Aviv. As they sat there, the tenants came together, and uh, they got everything ready. The plane was there in, uh, in the area, and they were about ready to board the passengers when all of a sudden, all officials, officials left their sites, left, left their stations. And the passengers were all alone, going, what's going on? It was about the same time that they heard about the attack in Israel, that the Muslim population that was around them in Turkey began to <laughs> celebrate the war. And they realized they were on enemy territory. It can change in a moment. It can change in a moment. You know that. I was, I was driving uh, down Kalamazoo and it was by 60th Street, and a Jeep in front of me was crossing 60th Street, and another car ran the red light. And the Jeep was propelled up in the air several feet, and it flipped over top, and that man's life was changed in a moment. It can be changed in a moment. And people of God, I just want to say this statement out loud. I am believing for a new beginning. I'm believing for a new beginning in your life. If you're new here, if, you are, if you've never been here before, I am believing that you can experience a new beginning and that even today, it can be brand new for you. I believe that God is working every day behind the scenes in which a, a great tapestry is being made. To us, it seems like the side we see is a whole bunch of just yarn that is a mess. But to his side is a beautiful picture that is being put together. Can you dare to believe that with me? Psalm 50 that I started out with says that, Call on me in the day of trouble. And he is a God who will answer. He is a God that answers prayers. So as we think about the passage that we've gone to some weeks ago that God has had me reading through First and Second Kings, and I came across this passage, and he's the one who gave me just this thought about a day, and then a day. The context of where we're at in Scripture is that um, northern Israel and the king of Aram, uh, which is, he is located east of the Jordan River, uh, which is now Arabia, 
we're at constant war with each other. Although just in the context just before this passage, there was an amazing thing that God had done through Elisha in which uh, they blinded the soldiers and brought them to the middle of Samaria and then opened their eyes and they were in the midst of their enemies. And uh, the king said, should we kill them? And Elisha said, no, that's not what you do with prisoners of war. Some other people ought to hear this today, right? It's not what you do. He said, feed them and send them home. And it stopped the war for years. But then another day came in verse 24 as we start our reading in chapter 6. Let's just, let's just kind of see what's unfolding here. So sometimes later, Ben-Hadad, king of Aram, mobilized the entire army and marched up and laid siege to Samaria. There was a great famine in the city. The siege lasted so long that donkeys had sold for 80 shekels of silver and a quarter of a cab of seed pod for five shekels. Um, 80 shekels is years of wages, and uh, a cab of seed is just a small um, container of seed. As the king of Israel was passing by on the wall, a woman cried out to him, Help me, my lord, the king. The king replied, if the Lord doesn't help you, ever had that attitude? Lord's never helped me. If the Lord does not help you, where can I get help for you? From the threshing floors that are empty? From the wine presses that no longer have wine? Then he asked her, what's the matter? She answered, this woman said to me, give me your son so we may eat him today and tomorrow we'll eat my son. So we cooked my son and ate him. The next day I said to her, give up your son so we may eat him. But she had hidden him. We think things are bad now. A siege is the fact that a, that a country would surround um, a city. And it would cut the city off from water and from food. And it would basically do this to weaken the city to the point that they would no longer even have to fight. They would be so weak that they would basically, basically just capitulate to the army and just give up. And so this siege had gone on for years, obviously. I mean, we talk about grotesque, and yet I, I thought to myself, what an amazing time for us to be reading this passage. Because right now, children are being beheaded in our world. Are you kidding me? I thought we were civilized. We are no more civilized than the true God that lives within a heart of a human being. Because there is no limit to the evil that you could do or I could do outside of the restraining hand of a God that so loved us that put his spirit within our heart to speak and to direct and to guide our lives. Do you believe that? Do you believe that without him you could do horrific and horrendous things, things so terrible that you could tear another person's life apart without a thought, and it happens every day. And so as we think about this, we think about the horrendousness of this. And we think about this king whose heart is broken. Look at that. Look at the next. Look at 30. It says, when the king heard the woman's words, he tore his robes and he went along the wall. And the people looked and they saw that under his robes had sackcloth on, which was a, a sign of humility and, and sadness and brokenness uh, in their day. And he said this. May God deal with me, be it ever so severely, if the head of Elisha, son of Shapeth, remained on his shoulder today. Now Elisha was sitting in the house, and the elders were sitting with him. The king sent a messenger ahead, but before he arrived, Elisha said to the elders, Don't you see how this murderer is sending someone to cut off my head? That kind of interesting. He was hearing what the king was saying. 
Look, when the messenger comes, shut the door and hold it shut against him. It is, is it not the sound of his master's footsteps behind him? While he was still talking to them, the messenger came to him. The king said, this disaster is from the Lord. Why should I wait for the Lord any longer? Notice that he says, this disaster is from the Lord. But who is he blaming? And whose head does he want to cut off? Elisha's. Yeah. Anybody that's going to represent the gospel of Jesus Christ, just remember this. You're going to be number one blame for the things that are going on in the world. Why do you think they're going after a city that's no bigger than the size of New Jersey? Why is Israel so on the front of, of our newspapers all the time? And now not only um, Hamas, but also Lebanon and Syria and Iran. Because they're Lord's chosen people. I want you to think about that. I said to Sue, I said, with all the protesting that's going on around this nation right now, you know that, right? And many of them don't even have a clue why they're doing it. They just have an anger that's built inside of them. There's no real cause. They're just burning with a demonic anger inside their hearts right now. Reporters interviewed them. They don't even know what they're talking about. They said that the people on TV are actors, and they've been put in front to propagandize what's going on in, in Israel. It was really Israel who attacked. And so here's this king who is coming against Elisha, knowing that the Lord, and, and, and get this too, this is important. He was right. The disaster was from the Lord. Because the people of Israel were rebelling against God. They were serving other idols. That is why the king of Aram came against them anyways. And so he was right. But don't you notice how he's taking it out on the messenger? And wanting to cut his head off? People of God, I I don't know what situations are in your life. I don't know what's going on. But it's going to be the enemy's tactic to always put the blame into the physical. But this is what Paul says to us in Ephesians 6. He says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. You know why? I'm going to... You know why this is called a jihad? You know what jihad means? Holy war. Wake up, people. There's a demonic force behind this that's pushing this. They're calling it a holy war. That's why in Turkey, they celebrated the massacre of Israeli people because demonically, they are aligned with demons and they are celebrating the destruction of who is seen as chosen people of God. Well, guess what? I said to Sue, I said, huh, we're going to be worshiping God on Sunday. There's a force that does not want us to do this. There is a demonic force that wants to destroy this. And I said, so what happens if somebody comes in the back door? Thank you, Dave. So, um... (laughs) Your team has prayed and, and, and prayed up about this. But it just, people of God, you, if you're not a believer here today, okay, I just, I, just, I am not inviting you into, into something that, um, um, how, how can I say this? But I'm not inviting you into an easy walk. I'm not ta- uh, saying, hey, you know, you receive Jesus Christ, your life is going to be better. Now, there's going to be peace in your soul that you've never known before. I am telling you this, all my, I, I am telling you this, there will be a peace that surpasses understanding, but I'm also inviting you into a war. And 
This is the whole thing about the war. Every single one of us started in the army of the, evil, of the enemy. Every single one of us, all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We have all started in that side of the war. And it had to take a day in which the Spirit of God in Albuquerque touched a woman who had been running from God for 40 years. And my wife, my wife, my sister, <laughs> you know, when I was a kid, now I'm not going to go there. But my sister's worshiping Jesus Christ today because a day, because in a day, the Spirit of God said, you're mine. And Jody responded, and she said, I'm yours. Life's been different. Not everything's been cleaned up. Not everything has got, but life has certainly been, there's a peace that surpasses all understanding. We have to remember that we're in a war. So many people are so blind to it that the war is raging within their own heart, raging within their own family, raging within their own work, raging within their own sphere of influence, and they don't even see it. And right now, they're not even accepting what I'm saying to you. They're saying that that's a bunch of bull. My life is well. My life is good. I don't, I don't believe what you're saying is true. Continue on with me. Let's go back to now chapter 7 of 2 Kings. I hope you're tracking with me. So the king goes through this. He, the famine's been terrible. He sees and, and talks to this woman. He wants to kill Elisha. And Elisha does replies. Listen to what he says. He says, Hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord says. About this time tomorrow, a sea of, fine of finest flour will sell for a shekel and two sheas of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. The officer on whose arm the king was leaning said to the man of God, Look, even if the Lord should open up the floodgates of heaven, could this happen? Will you see, you will see, listen, you will see it with your own eyes, answered Elisha but you will not eat of it. See, the thing about faith, one of the kids said that faith was very important, and you're, he, he was right. He was right because faith believes for the impossible. Not just because there's a hope, but because of this reason. Faith knows the character of God. Faith knows who God is. He know, faith knows that he is a loving God, a compassionate God, a God who gives mercy. And it's long-lasting. And he never leaves nor forsakes. No matter how far we've gone away. Listen, you, somebody heard that today. No matter how far you went away from him, he still has never left nor forsaken you. Even if circumstances in this world seem to keep letting your life down, that's not him. Just like the king was trying to blame Elisha, God is, God is not behind evil, but he does use evil to get your attention. It doesn't mean that he doesn't allow it in your life to wake you up, but he isn't behind it because there is no evil in God. And so faith believes that. Faith believes um, for uh, impossibility. And I, just hear this, and I'm going to say it again. The reason why you and I continue to dip back into the pool of sin is because we don't believe that. We don't believe that God is enough for us, and so we dip back into sin so that we can get what we think we need to sustain our life. And all it is, listen to me, all it is is that you're dipping back into the pool of death. It's all you're dipping back into. It's not life. I had an 18-year addiction, and not once did that addiction ever satisfy the need of my heart. 
It only buried me deeper and deeper and deeper into, into a haze of, you're not in a war. Things are good. You just do what you want to do. You're, you're being satisfied by the addiction, right? Well, for a short time, and then you feel terrible, and then you have to do it again to just medicate again. Just like the officer, unbelief will not accept the word of God. If you're fighting the word of God today, it's because unbelief is raising its head and saying, look at, look at what's never happened. This pastor doesn't know, he doesn't know who I am. He doesn't know what I've gone through this week. It's not going to happen. But I want you to think about this for a moment. In the history of mankind, the idea of one day has gone back to creation. That in seven days, God created the world. He spoke and it came into being. Now, there's been a lot of argument how long those days have been, but I've heard very few people say, could God create the universe in seven days? Absolutely could. He's powerful. I lean to that reality. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest with you. But also, this is important because, because of his greatest act on earth proves that he can change everything. Listen to me. Just, just listen for a minute. Scripturally, you can, go and you can look this up. If you, if you are here today and, um, and you are struggling with what I'm saying and you've never taken time to read the Bible, I want to say something to you. Do you realize that's intellectual suicide? Because you're claiming an unbelief in something that you've never spent time researching. That is the most foolish thing a human being could do. And I got a friend of mine who is about logic in, uh, in, 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 in life, and I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. It's logical for you to reject something only after you've studied it. Fair? All right. So get at it. Somebody's sitting here now. The greatest proof on earth, 200 plus prophecies in the Old Testament of the work of God that was going to bring salvation to mankind. Psalm 2, 7 says these words. It says, um, you are my son today, I have become your father. It is a word that proclaims that the Messiah would be revealed that he is the son of God. What was known in heaven about Jesus Christ was now being revealed on earth. Now, there has been some people who have twisted that and said, well, this is, this is why Jesus isn't God because it says that when he was born that he was somehow seen um, as, um, or somehow that's when it started that he was son and that the father was father, and that's not true. What was known in the spiritual was revealed to the physical. That Jesus being born of a virgin, a woman not impregnated by a man, came to be on this earth in a day. And in that day, earth knew what heaven knew all along. And that was Jesus is the Son of God, God himself. And that Jesus' life purpose was... That he came to save his people from his sins. Prophetically talked about in Zechariah 3. He says this, I'm going to bring my servant, the branch. See the stone I have set in front of Joshua? There are seven eyes on that one stone. And I will engrave an inscription on it that says, Lord Almighty, and I will remove the sin of the land in a single day. In a single day. When Jesus cried, it's finished. What he meant was, no longer reign of sin over my creation. You can be free today, in a day. Can happen. It can happen. And it is, there is more proof about the life of Jesus on earth than any other human being that lived. 
And I'm talking about historical manuscripts. I don't going to get into it all, but I'm t- if, you, if you do research, there's more proof about the life of Jesus on this earth. There's more proof that he went to a cross, and there's more proof that his grave is empty. And he's the only human being that it's empty. God's heart is for us. He loves us. And he proved it in history. Now, does that at all mean anything to you? Because if it doesn't, it's proof that you're still in the enemy's army. So, let's go on. God prophetically said that in a single day, that, the, that the, the famine would be lifted. Can God do what he says? I think he can. Let's keep reading. I, this is, I'm liking this. I, I could stay here for hours. <laughs> okay, verse 3 uh, through 4. Let's continue on. Now there were four men with leprosy. I love this. I love this. Leprosy. You know what that means? They were totally rejected by, by humanity. They were the low of low. They were like, you, you need to be nine cubits away from me. You cannot, you cannot even live in the city. You are done. It's, it was a disease that had no cure, and, and, um, and they had to live out in a cave outside the city. These are the men. These are the men. Oh, that'll preach. Listen to what they say. They said to each other, why stay here until we die? (laughs) Some of us in this room have to see their sin this way. Why stay here until we die? If we say we'll go into the city, the famine is there, and we will die. And if we stay here, we will die. It's logical, right, Stephen? It's a logical move. And if, oh, excuse me. So let's go to the camp of the Arameans and surrender. If they spare us, we live. If they kill us, then we die. You know why somebody comes to the Lord? Because they realize where they are, they're going to die. And it's not about God proving himself that he can do what he does. They just say, if I go to the Lord and I die, that was the best place that I could have been anyways. Because I was going to die. And so they just go to him. I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I that lives, but it's Christ that lives in me. I died, and yet I live. It's a miracle. I died, and yet I lived. I died to myself, and yet I live. And so they, they and, and you know, there are millionaires who are holding on to a life that is a spiritual death because they're afraid to let go of the comfort that has lied to them about the life that it possesses. God gave Ryan a verse for his father. And he told him a story about a man who had a tremendous crop, and so he thought to himself, well, maybe I'll just build another barn, and then I'll fill that up, and I'll just live easy from that point on. And the Lord said to the man, tonight your life will be demanded of you. Then what what will your wealth do? Ryan shared that story with his father, and his father said, this is my interpretation. His father said, that's not me. It's not me. And I believe that's true. But that's many of us in this world. That is many of us. There's a famine going on in our land. It has nothing to do with possessions. It has everything to do with spiritual hearts. Empty. Because we've trusted in the things of this world instead of trusting in God. So, they said, let's go. So, listen, listen, this, this is cool. At dusk, they got up and went to the camp of the Arameans. When they reached the edge of the camp, no one was there. 
For the Lord, listen, for the Lord had caused the Arameans to hear the sound of chariots and horses and a great army, so that they said to one another, look, the king of Israel has hired the Hittites and the Egyptian kings to attack us. So they got up and fled in the dusk and abandoned their tents and their horses and their donkeys. They left the camp as it was and ran for their lives. <laughs> the men who had leprosy reached the edge of the camp, entering one of the tents. They ate and drank. Absolutely, they were hungry. Then they took silver and golden clothes and went and hid it and returned to another tent and took some things from them and hid them also. It's the lotto! <laughs> That's not even spiritual. But anyways, I just, you know, yeah, I mean, my goodness sakes. I, I want you to think about this. How would you feel, you know, if you had hardly any food, if everything was gone and you just were, you're, maybe some of you were in a famine where you just feel like your life is so dry and so separated from anything and everything, and you all of a sudden come over a bounty. Wouldn't you two just, I mean, my goodness sakes, we've hit it. We've hit it. My wife only played the lotto once, and that's because she found a ticket on the floor. She won $7. They paid 10. I guess the lotto doesn't quite keep it. So these guys are like rocking. They're rocking this out. But look at verse 9, and this is a huge point. Then they said to each other, what, are we, what we're doing here is not right. This is the day of what? No, no, this is the day of what? Good news. That's not misinterpreted. Good news is gospel. Good news is that a spiritual transaction and change can happen in a physical world because a God so loved that a heart can be changed forever. And they said, this is not good. What we're doing. This is a day of good news and we're keeping it to ourselves If we wait until daylight, punishment will overtake us. Let us go at once and report this to the royal palace. Good news, keeping it to ourselves. Where does that hit you in your heart? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why are there so many Muslims in the world? Why, are there, why, why did um, Fountain Street Church, who used to preach the word of God, take this book and start tearing it out and saying, we don't believe this, and they turned from following God to being a secular, moving church? Why is this happening? Because people are not telling people about Jesus. Amy Carmichael was a sister in the Lord Irishman. She went to India. She was there for 55 years. She says this story, and I think I'm going to end on this because I have much more and we don't have much more time. But she says this, the tam-tams thumped straight on all night. And the darkness shuddered around me like a living, feeling thing. I could not go to sleep, so I lay awake and looked, and I saw, as it seemed this. I stood on a grassy swathe, and my feet at a precipice broke sheer down into infinite space. I looked, but saw no bottom, only cloud shapes, black and furious, coiled and great shadow-shrouded hollows in unfathomable depths. I drew, I, back I drew, dizzy at the depth. Then I saw forms of people moving single file along the grass. They were making for the edge. 
there was a woman with a baby in her arms and another little child holding on to her dress. She was on the verge, the very verge. Then I saw that she was blind. She lifted her foot for the next step. It trod air. She was over, and the children over with her. Oh, the cry as they went over. Then I saw more streams of people flowing from all quarters. All were blind, stone blind, made straight for the precipice edge. There were shrieks as they suddenly knew themselves falling and a tossing up of helpless arms, catching and clushing at empty air. But some went over quietly and fell without a sound. Then I wondered with a wonder that was simply agony why no one was stopping them at the edge. I could not. I was glued to the ground. I could not call, though I was strained and I tried, only a whisper would come uh, from my voice. Then I saw that along the edge were sentries set at intervals, but the intervals were too great. There were wide, unguarded gaps between them, and over these gaps the people fell in their blindness, quite unwarned. The green grass seemed blood red to me, and the gulf yawned like the mouth of hell. Then I saw, like a little picture of peace, a group of people under some trees with their backs turned toward the gulf. They were making daisy chains. Sometimes when a piercing streak came out of the quiet air and reached them, it disturbed them, and they thought it a rather vulgar noise. And if one of their numbers started up and wanted to go and do something to help, then all the others would pull them down. Why should you get so excited about this? You must wait for a definite call to go. You haven't finished your daisy chain yet. It would be really selfish, they said, to leave us to finish the work alone. There was another group. It was made up of people who greatly desired uh, to get more sentries out, but they found that very few wanted to go. And sometimes there were no sentries set for miles and miles of the edge. Once a girl stood alone in her place, waving the people back, but her mother and other relations called and reminded her that her furlough was due. She must not break the rules. And being tired and needing a change, she had to go and rest for a while. But no one was sent to guard her gap. And over and over, the people fell like a waterfall of souls. Once a child caught a tuft of grass that grew at the very brink of the gulf. It clung convulsively and it cried out. But no one heard. No one seemed to hear. Then the roots of the grass gave way, and with a cry, the child went over, its two little hands still holding tightly to the torn-off bunch of grass. And the girl, who longed to be back in her gap, thought she heard a little one cry, and she sprang up, wanting to go. At once they reproved her, reminding her that no one is necessary anywhere. The gap would be well taken care of, they knew, and then they sung a hymn. Then through the hymn came another sound like the pain of a million broken hearts wrung out in full drop, one sob, and a horror of great darkness was upon me, for I knew what it was, the cry of blood. Then, a thunder, uh, then thundered a voice, the voice of the Lord, and he said, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brothers, cry, blood crieth unto me from the ground. The tom-tom still beat heavily and the darkness still shuddered and shivered about me. What does it matter after all? It has gone on for years. It will go on for years. Why make such a fuss? God forgive us. God arouse us. Shame us out of our callousness. Shame us out of our sin. What these lepers learned was something the church has to learn. Listen to me. Our purpose, our purpose, the reason your tail is sitting in a seat today, even if you haven't known the Lord up to this moment, our purpose is to go out and tell the good news to everyone. Because we live in a starving world of famine People think money's going to do it, and they're finding out it doesn't. People think that relationships are going to do it, and they are on the 20th person that they've had for the weekend, and they still are unsatisfied with relationship. 
We live in a world of a famine. And people of God, right now, whether you believe or not, you sit on good news. Now, listen. Their leprosy did not change. They were going to physically die. But in the midst of their death, they brought new life to the people of Israel. I don't know what your situation is. I don't know what you are struggling with in your heart. I don't know what situation has been going on for years in your life. And I do care. But you're sitting on good news. You're sitting on the very essence of what could save and change somebody's life for all eternity. You're still in your situation. I get it. I get it. It didn't matter to those lepers. They went back and they told the city. I'm going to stop here because I just sensed that I need to stop here. People of God, what are we doing here? I heard somebody say in their heart, yeah, first time I've been here, I don't know what I'm doing here. Seriously, Pastor, I have no idea what I'm doing here. I get it. I get it. I've been there. I've been there when in a day, God takes me and he shakes me and he says, I love you. Now go love others like I love you. And do it with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. And don't stop until I take you home because there are those that are going over the precipice and they're looking for that one day when everything changes. They're blind. I so much more I want to talk about this. They're blind. They're walking up to the edge. Is it your child? Is it your grandchild? Is it your work partner? Is it your, is it your brother, your sister? God brought you here specifically to hear this. You're sitting on good news. Changes everything. Do you get that? You could give a billion dollars to somebody and it doesn't touch the good news of Jesus Christ. You could take, help somebody never drink again, never smoke dope again, never never participate in, in having sex outside of marriage. But if they don't receive Jesus Christ, they're still in a famine. Because the famine doesn't change because of the moral change of a human being. The famine changes because the heart has been changed. And he has come in and he has occupied your heart. And your heart is brand new. And it's changed and transformed. It's not just clean and swept clean. It is changed because he lives in there. And he talks with you and he walks with you. And he tells you you're his own. Do you get that? It's time. I don't know if Israel, what's happening in Israel, if, if, if it's the sign of the ten um, nations that will come around Israel at the end time. I don't know. But it's certainly a picture for us to say what's going on in Israel is the fact that this word is absolutely true and it's accurate to the very precise moment in human history. You read it, you'll see your life in it. It changed your life. Stop fighting. Stop letting pride rise up. 
Even if you've sit in a pew for years, stop letting pride rise up and say, I can't go out and you can ministries. I can't go out and share Christ with people. That's just not who I am. Yes, it is, because it's no longer about you. It's about Jesus. And you tell me, is it about Jesus to tell people about Jesus? Then stop with the excuses. Let's get out there. Stand with me as we pray. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, um, I am, I'm so thankful. Um, I'm so thankful for you being in this place. I'm so thankful that you are the most important being in here. It ain't about me. And I, I just, I'm just praying right now that you will erase my face from everybody's minds. And that, Father, that Jesus Christ, your face will rise up into their minds. That they will not see eyes of condemnation, of hatred, of you dirty, rotten, you've never done it right. You had, th- th- those are not the eyes of Christ. The eyes of Christ is, you are my workmanship. You are precious to me. So precious that I was willing to lay my life down for you. I've given you everything. Will you give me everything? Can we walk together? I use men with leprosy. Hated and disregarded disregarded by the community to bring good news of life to my people. I don't care where you're at. What leprosy you think you're wearing I want you to bring good news about me to people. Heavenly Father, may we never forget this story. May it ingrain in our hearts. For we are, again, in a great famine in this world. A famine of your word. You prophesied it in in your book. You said there will be a famine, and it will not come as other famines has, but it will be a famine of my word. And we're in it. We're in it. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Father, may in someone's heart today your word come through so strongly that it absolutely changes and transforms not just their life, but all of ours. And I pray this in the name of Jesus.